Lantun Dohyo is honored to present to you the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It is the nation's largest and most influential child protection organization. They lead the fight to protect children, creating vital resources and the people who keep the children safe. From Lantun Dohyo office, we have Noming and Tengis. Welcome to Lantun Dohyo podcast. So we are officially starting. Um, Tengis, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, first, of course. And then... So my name is Tengis Tashmu, and I've been volunteering at Lantern for about four to five years now. And recently I took on a more committed role and started you know, establishing connection between NECMAC and Lantern And I'm also kind of overseeing or managing the further projects we are looking forward to work on with. And uh, today we have Heather Girton with us to talk more about NECMAC and Planton uh, future collaboration with NECMAC. With that being said, Heather, do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. And first, I want to say thank you so much for extending this invitation uh, to someone from NECMEC to just speak and share more about who we are. I guess just first to start off with, uh, NECMEC stands for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, it's a lot of words altogether, so we like to shorten it to NECMEC. Uh, but yes, my name is Heather Girton. I have been at NECMEC for about eight years. I began as an analyst on the Cyber Tip Line, which is part of the Exploited Children's Division. Um, did that for a period of time, was able to really get familiar with the day-to-day process, sending reports to law enforcement and so on. Um, and then I was able to progress through, became a supervisor, and then now I am a program specialist. And primarily I am responsible for a lot of international relations, um, helping to provide trainings internationally, but both virtual and in person to help with some capacity building. And I also manage a team of analysts as well that process reports for international uh, law enforcement groups. So again, thank you for having me here. Well, thank you so much, so much, Tengas, for introducing yourself and also inviting um, uh, our guest header to our podcast today. And before we start, I know, Heather, you just told us what the NECMEC acronym stands for, but mm-hmm. can you give me a little background of exactly like what NECMEC does for those people who have never heard about this organization before? Absolutely. So NECMEC is the United States' largest and most influential child protection organization. And with this, we lead the fight to protect children. Uh, we are able to create really important and vital resources for children, for families, for the community, for law enforcement um, to help keep children safe. Um, And with this, we're able to uniquely offer these things as a nonprofit private organization and non-governmental as well. So we really fill a unique uh, role as a nonprofit and able to really reach and touch in a lot of different areas and work in collaboration with other nonprofits such as yourselves um, that really helps grow the reach of you know, this mission of keeping children safe. And so in terms of what we do, that's our main aim and everything we are doing is, you know, our, our slogan is every child deserves a safe childhood. And so with that in mind, that's how we proceed. 
And one, one of our main functions to accomplish this is we are a clearinghouse of information. So whether this information is from private citizens, companies, or law enforcement, we seek to be able to provide this information to those necessary in order to safeguard children. And another part of that is because we are able to house so much information, we also make prevention resources available to the community. Um, and so this could take the form of an online uh, kind of short animated show that our artists make at, in-house at NECMEG. could be pamphlets that people can hand out uh, to children or families or that professionals can use. And it just really runs the gamut. Sounds great. So I know that NECMEC has this special collaborations with the law enforcement. I what what I want to say is I feel like NECMEC is actually a special nonprofit organizations that they in your own like HQ office there's actually law enforcement officers mm-hmm. physically located there and working with this nonprofits day in and day out. So how does that um, collaboration work? How did that relationship kind of like started? Because I worked in small nonprofit organizations before, but even though we have that nice um, collaboration with government or law enforcement, we never shared the office before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know it is very unique. Um, And it's part of the reason that we're so unique is Mm -hmm. because that U.S.-based companies, we we call them electronic service providers or ESPs for short. And so what that means is places like Facebook, Instagram, Google, People based in the U.S. that have these internet presences um, are required by law to mm-hmm. report uh, any instance of parent child pornography or child sexual abuse material, as uh, is the preferred term, to the cyber tip line directly. So there's that congressional mandate that's at play for us to receive those reports and for us to then provide those reports out to law enforcement as appropriate. So it's a little bit built into that background of how that collaboration exists. And so you mentioned, yes, we do. We are co-located with many federal law enforcement agencies um, who work specifically with child sexual exploitation matters and who work Mm -hmm. on our cyber tip line reports and also work very closely with our child victim identification efforts. And so it's definitely unique every time uh, visitors come in and they see, you know, the, the seals of the different federal organizations, it's always a little bit of a surprise to see that. Um, But it really is uh, in that collaborative effort. And especially since there's that law that exists um, for those reports to be made to us, it Mm kind of starts to make a little bit more sense. Um, And so we work with law enforcement in a variety of facets, missing children, providing data analytics, data support, things along those lines but I specifically work in the child sexual exploitation side of the house. So with that, um, with these cyber tip line reports, we are providing additional analysis in those reports. It's one of our jobs to make sure it's going to the right law enforcement agency or agencies, depending on what's happening. And the goal is to help law enforcement prioritize the most urgent cases, especially considering the incredible volume that we receive. So uh, we really take that information and try to get it out to law enforcement as efficiently and in a good organized manner that can help them know what their priorities may be when they're receiving these reports. 
So um, most of these cyber tip line report reports do involve the upload of child sexual abuse material by users outside of the US. So if you think about these are US-based companies, but mm -hmm. those US-based companies have users from everywhere. So, mm -hmm. you know, of course, Facebook is an easy example. Everybody's using Facebook. Um, and so with that being the case, they must still comply, even though their users are located elsewhere with that law, which I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but it's 18 USC 2258A, if anybody wants to look it up, definitely feel free. But that's what requires the US companies to report to the cyber tip line. Mm -hmm. And another key factor is it requires them to report what they become aware of in regards to child sexual abuse material to us. Um, and so by that extension, NECNEC is a global clearinghouse of those reports. That sounds great. Like it, I'm not, Tingus, if you want to jump in, please do. But when you just explained what NECNEC does and mm -hmm. how it works with uh, law enforcement uh, agencies, it's just, um, it sounds like a quite um, complicated and complex uh, relationship. And also it sounds like you receive so much data. Mm. <laughs> so how, this is not in the questions, but like how do you like manage those datas? And in order to probably have that like accurate data analysis and I'm sure human capital is really needed. So also after that, I want to kind of like segue into like how the NECMEC organization gets funding. Sure. So if you can start with like receiving all those data and how mm -hmm. to manage those and then also how it relates to the human capitals that NECMEC needs and then where NECMEC gets its funding. Yeah, absolutely. It all ties together. It makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mentioned volume, but didn't give a number. Last year, we got over 32 million reports submitted into the cyber tip line. Wow. Uh, majority of those did come from ESPs or those companies. Uh, with that, approximately 90% of those go out internationally. And so it's a large volume going international. Um, mm -hmm. And so with that, one of the things that's at play is it's very imperative that we have a referral system in place that enables global response to these cyber tip line reports. Uh, with that in consideration, we have our system that's set up to be able to, on a fairly automatic basis, get these reports sent out based on different you know, key identifying features that might determine a possible jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. um, so our system is able to do some of that uh, lift for us a little bit, as long as, um, you know, there's enough information in place to make that possible. And really leveraging technology is a big goal of, mm -hmm. you know, how we deal with all of this information. Um, and we're able to implement a lot of those things. One of the tools that we have, specifically, this is for law enforcement, is the case management tool. Because one of the questions is, okay, you're, you have all these reports, how are you sending these out, right? You're not, yeah. you're not going to email those all to everybody. What, what are you doing with these? And so our system is able to close those reports, send them out as appropriate, um, or it's done by an analyst hands, by visual review, adding information, then they manually send it out. It just depends on what's happening in the report. But we have something called the case management tool or mm -hmm. CMT for short. And so essentially that allows law enforcement to access these reports. Um, it is a secure and quick way for them to be able to access the reports. 
they can, you know, find different key pieces of information. It helps them triage, organize their reports, assign out to their investigators, different things along those lines. Um, and so it allows law enforcement, both in the U.S. and abroad, to do these actions. Um, and it also helps law enforcement refer to other law enforcement agencies if there should be another jurisdiction involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we want to notify law enforcement of high priority reports as well. So it also allows for implementation of that. Um, so I know that's kind of a lot going in there. Were there additional questions on the how do we manage that? Um, I think that's a good uh, coverage of how you manage that massive data. So basically, mm-hmm. really leveraging all the technologies, right? And uh, working As, with yeah. Um, yeah, as much as we can. And then, of course, we have our analysts who, you know, when more urgent reports come in, uh, mm-hmm. those urgent higher priority reports are processed manually and mm-hmm. they add in that value. They notify law enforcement and things like that. So when we become aware of something that could be more pressing or urgent um, mm-hmm. for those international countries, we definitely want to provide that support as much as we can. That sounds great. How many analysts do does NCMEC has? Yeah, so specifically in Cyber Tip Line, I don't want to commit to a number. We're um, mm-hmm. always growing, but mm-hmm. I believe right now, um, I think it's around uh, forty to sixty. Um, but that's only in one kind of section of the Cyber Tip Line. Um, but it's grown recently, um, and we're always looking to add more analyst bodies because as we know, the volume just continues to increase. Great, okay. And then with this growing need, I'm sure that means growing funding needs, right? So I wanna kind of know like how NECMEC gets funded. Mm-hmm. Um, from your conversation, I kind of understand that there's a congressional mandate. So it seems like there's some government funding that is secured but I would assume NECMEC has to do some private fundraising itself. So um, just kind of your information on how NECMEC funds all its activities. Absolutely. Um, So you're correct. It definitely comes from a few different sources. We receive it uh, from many different ones. We're fortunate to be able to receive funding, you're correct, from government grants, as well Mm -hmm. as other contributions such as corporate sponsors, in-kind gifts, families, and individual donors. And we also do fundraising through special events. And so, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's uh, biking across, you know, uh, doing a long bike ride, there are people who organize that and, you know, those donations can come to us or different events that are held. Um, just like, you know, almost any other nonprofit kind of similar things along there. That is one of the unique things about us is we are able to have that government grant um, at play because of the unique position of that the reporting structure and the requirement based on that law, but also mm-hmm. private funding and those partnerships with uh, whether it's private uh, corporations or private individuals. Mm-hmm. That's great. Like just for me, it sounds like a perfect blending for nonprofit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's been great. I mean, we've been around uh, for quite a while. So it's definitely a unique type of organization. And uh, 
it's great to hear about cyber tip line and also you know although NECNEC stands for national uh, although it's a national organization the scope of their activity is really international i believe you know mm -hmm. the 90% of the reports go to the go across the borders and um i was actually wondering how amber alert works in cohesion with cyber tip line i know that the police the law enforcement issues the alert but does it actually originate from a report in the cyber tip line? Are there any cases like that? Uh, great question. Yet yeah, not typically. So Amber Alerts would be more in the area of the missing children's division. Sometimes there is overlap between the missing children's division and the exploited children's division. Um, however, the unique thing is for the exploited children's division to be involved, it usually has to involve some sort of child sexual exploitation. Um, so in terms of the sending out of Amber Alerts or things along those lines, uh, we wouldn't, the exploited children's division wouldn't necessarily be directly involved there. However, for a broad overview of our interaction with the Amber Alerts, um, how it generally works is it does need to go out locally first. So local law enforcement would send out their primary Amber Alert. But we are able to send out our secondary Amber Alert through our call center. And so if it, you know, comes around that, okay, we want this to have a wide audience, uh, we are able to send out that secondary Amber Alert. And that's, you know, where you might see things being shared on a wider platform, such as, you know, Facebook, things like that. Um, and so the the interaction between Amber Alerts and um, cyber tip line reports isn't something that necessarily we've seen a large trend in. That is not to say, of course, that a missing child couldn't have some sort of exploitation factor involved. In fact, when that happens, that's when we see the overlap of reports, but it wouldn't necessarily um, be and mean that we were involved in sending out the Amber Alert directly. Got it. Thank you for answering that. Yeah. And, um, Previously, you mentioned that NECMEC broadcasts a series of cartoon or distributes pamphlets to educate the public. Do you want to talk more about that? Because I feel like education is a really strong tool in the line of defending children. You know, like mm -hmm. we can develop systems to look for children or stop ongoing abuses, but preventing it in the first place, I believe, brings the most value. Absolutely. Um, and I would definitely refer everybody just to start with our website. It's missingkids.org. Mm -hmm. And once you're on there, you're able to see a lot of different resources that we offer. Um, but in terms of education and prevention, one of the things that people can navigate to is our Kids Smarts and Net Smarts. And those are both all geared toward um, educating different ages of children, and also providing resources to family of, you know, children of different ages or teachers or, you know, law enforcement who may interact with these audiences or any community members that, you know, has the job of educating children. So with that consideration, one of the things that we were able to launch in the last few years is uh, it's called Into the Cloud. Um, and so that can also be found when navigating through KidSmarts, I believe. Um, and it's just this online TV series, essentially, that just plays out different scenarios that kids might interact with. You know, as we know, kids are online. 
And as much as we might try to delay it or, you know, try to keep it from happening, it's just the reality that, you know, a lot of times their schoolwork requires they're online. So of course they're likely going to go and visit other places. And so really trying to teach them that good, what we call digital hygiene. You know, you teach a child, this is how you brush your teeth. This is when you do it. This is how you take care of yourself. But we just need to now teach them how to take care of themselves in this online, you know, world that now exists. Mm -hmm. And so that's some of the main goals that we lay out within a lot of our educational programming. Thank you. Of course. For um, your organization, I know that um, you are working to kind of provide some of this out more widespread, but are you able to send out different educational resources to your community? Yeah, so on here, actually, I was going to ask Tengis to provide a little background on uh, what the Zantundho uh, is um, doing in the background to um, building our Dho app, right? And also how it's planning to uh, partner with the NECMEC. So that would be nice. Sure. Is that right? All right. Uh, so Lantundho, especially the one based in Mongolia, runs programs, uh, training programs or seminars, meetings to educate the public. And mostly they are directed towards children or uh, students and also parents and families. So rather than, you know, distributing, distributing information online or through different media, it's mostly done in person, I believe. But uh, since Lantanaka USA is in the USA, we actually want to expand that scope and then reach out to the global Mongolian community, starting with, with the Arlington community, of course. Mm. And uh, one of the things we are doing is, uh, this actually goes back to Mongolia, but uh, we are very close to launching an app called Deho, which means signal, the signal in Mongolia. And then uh, it's an app for giving signals to where there may be potential hazards or dangerous situation for children around the community or neighborhood so that people can take care of it before it actually harms the kid. And uh, we also want to include in that app a portal to NECMEC's cyber tip line so that people can just go there on their own. They don't have to go to the police and file a report and know that it will eventually reach the hands of the law enforcement. And it's also going to the online service provider, as Heather was saying earlier. And uh, we actually requested NECMEC to translate those you know, pamphlets and into the cloud series. I'm really excited about the series. I love that show. And uh, we would like to distribute it online to reach out more people. And also uh, we, uh, we, are, we have filled out the application to become a community education partner of NECMEC, which means we would be also going around and then sharing information about online hygiene with people, mm -hmm. trying to uh, teach them about the good practices. Yeah, that sounds amazing. But um, as a... I know like Tengus has all this great uh, detailed information about the current uh, app and how Santon is going to collaborate with NECMEC. But it just um, like for, I have a question maybe mm -hmm. our listeners might have. So I can, I understand that NECMEC itself, it has that international outreach, right? Mm -hmm. NECMEC would be able to receive all this uh, reports from uh, big uh, IT giants like Facebook and Twitter, all this information. And 
NECMEC directly delivers this through the case management tool to local authorities. So I'm assuming that Mongolian um, police officers or whoever's supposed to be in charge of this um, in children's exploitation cases, they receive this reports from NECMEC. And I'm wondering if uh, if the police officers in Mongolia, do they acknowledge of their receipt and are they required to report back on how they uh, decided the case management back to NECMEC or is it NECMEC's role is just to provide that data and um, let the national authorities to take care of the cases? Yeah, that's that's a fantastic question. So one of the things about um, how we're set up is you're correct. It is our jobs to provide the information to law enforcement. We can't really um, enact or force any sort of um, action, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's they they inform us or anything like that. So any mm-hmm. feedback that we get is definitely voluntary. Um, and sometimes we receive feedback from law enforcement, other times we don't. So that's always something that we're working to grow. We would always love to receive more feedback. Um, and so we usually aim to do that just by growing a relationship in that way and also educating of how feedback can be provided and things along those lines. Um, but in terms of any sort of mandate that would be beyond the scope of the cyber tip line, um, and a lot of the the feedback that we get would be just, you know, good faith collaboration, just sharing of information in, the, in those terms. Um, so, yes, and we're always trying to grow in those relationships with law enforcement to just grow in that familiarity with the, the resources that we have. Um, in terms of the connections that we have internationally, Right now, we have connections in over 150 countries to receive the cyber tip line reports, um, you know, on that regular basis. Mm-hmm. Sometimes U.S. federal law enforcement agencies might be working in country um, mm-hmm. to get that into the proper law enforcement's hands. Um, and then other times we do have a direct connection in country to, you know, an authority within that same country. And Mongolia is one of those. Um, so I won't really comment on, you know, specific feedback or what that agency's name is, mm-hmm. um, at this point, but there is that direct connection, um, that we have. And, uh, this is done. This is another part of the law where we're able to establish that connection. And this is usually done when there's already some sort of relationship with the U S federal, um, law enforcement agency or Interpol. If that mm-hmm. relationship is established, they can kind of verify, yes, this is the correct law enforcement agency and country to provide these reports to. Um, and we also, like I, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, we also frequently provide training to law enforcement. Uh, so whether it's virtual or in person, we like to educate them about who we are, how to read our reports, how to navigate our tools. And this is often done in partner- partnership with some federal law enforcement or Interpol or another capacity building NGO or nonprofit organization. And I'm curious to know if any of the Mongolian law enforcement officials came to NECMEC for training, whether through NECMEC's direct programming or maybe other um, government-funded program. Yeah, I'm, I don't think that's something that I know the answer to. Um, I do. Do you? Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh... Yeah. 
So the UNICEF at Mongolia, they actually made the initiative to put uh, NECMEC and other organizations in touch with Mongolian police. And mm-hmm. that, I believe that was done in 2020 or 21. And I think that's when the Mongolian police got connected to the case management tool. And then mm-hmm. they also had the training with uh, authorities from the USA and different professionals working in different areas of this field. That's great. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that's very important um, is oftentimes, you know, just because this issue of child sexual abuse material is, you know, definitely a growing problem and it has been a problem for many years, but it's not necessarily one that is always on the forefront of everybody's mind. So sometimes one of the things that we can do when we are doing this capacity building within the country is just ensuring law enforcement has a familiarity with what the laws around child sexual exploitation even are in in that country. Um, You know, of course, it varies country to country. And it's just really important for us to be aware of what those are and for law enforcement who would be working these cases to know what those laws they would have in order to support them pursuing a case involving child sexual exploitation. Um, or child sexual abuse material. So that's something else that can be very helpful in growing the impact that we see. I think we can ask about how NECMEC measures its impact and success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the way that we first measure impact is anytime a child is safeguarded from sexual abuse, anytime exploitative images are removed from a website, and each time a child, a missing child is reunified with their family. So, you know, those are the practical real world things that we look for as success. Um, and then with that, of course, those would be our most important measures. But additionally, we aim to increase awareness around the globe to mm-hmm. collaborate with different nonprofit um, partners and other stakeholders and to share the information that we have regarding these issues that we deal with at the center. So. Of course, you know, if we wanted to get into metrics and things like that, we have various different ways of measuring success, but really the main goal of all of those metrics, the main goal of all of our statistics and resources and everything like that is to, you know, safeguard children, reunify children, remove, you know, this abusive content from the internet. And our website has a lot of those statistics available especially in terms of the cyber tip line, Um, again, missingkids.org, and it shows our removal times. So I think in previous years, it might've been 2021, we sent over 75,000 notices to companies um, to request removal of content. And the turnaround time to get that content removed is less than a day. And so seeing those real world impacts and, you know, being able to measure those data points is, you know, definitely very gratifying and it helps us know that we're on the right right track. And, you know, everybody is curious, what are these numbers? What does this look like? And so we try to publish as much of that as we can on our website. Yeah, that's really wonderful to hear. And I would encourage everybody to check out their annual report. That's where the numbers are. And you can see what impact NECMEC is creating around the globe, not just in mm-hmm. the States. 
And uh, speaking of you know removing contents, um, recently NetMac launched the Take It Down platform. Would you like to give us more a bit more information on that? And one question I'm wondering is: Is it solely to be used by the victims, or can somebody who sees like inappropriate image or video online just report that thing? Great. Yes. Okay. So Take It Down. It's a new initiative that we have. And it can be found at takeitdown.necmec.org. Um, also, if you go to our website, you would, you would find places to be able to navigate to it as well. But yes, this is a free anonymous resource to remove or stop the online sharing of nude, partially nude, or sexually explicit images or videos of minors. So, you know, one of the things that came out of a lot of feedback from interacting with survivors is... Of course, you know, when they report these things and then our mission is it's our job to provide this information to law enforcement. Also, if we can get it removed from the Internet, then, of course, that is a goal as well. Um, but where these survivors are experiencing the main uh, stressors is they just want to see results happen. Um, and so one of the things that they can do is try to share this information to hopefully get this either make sure this content is never shared if it hasn't been shared yet or if it has been shared to hopefully stop that from happening so this is something that we uh, developed out of those conversations to um, just provide another resource to survivors uh, in terms of who can submit and to take it down you know anybody is able to. It was originally designed to be a scenario where, you know, let's say that the child has the original on their phone and they're, they might be concerned that somebody will share it or it already is being shared. Um, they can then say, please uh, take this information to help it not be shared anymore. One key thing about this is not only is it anonymous, but it also does not take the photo, the actual photo or video itself from the phone at all. We do not have the, the visual imagery of this file. Essentially what it does is it, it creates something called a hash of the file. And that's just technical lingo speak for, it's essentially kind of a thumbprint or a fingerprint of the file that's unique only to that file. So once that hash is created, that hash gets put onto the list that we have, and then we share that list with participating companies who have agreed to receive these hashes. And if those ever come across their, um, you know, their website or anything, then those would be removed. Um, so that's how it was originally designed to be used. It is for content that was created before the child was 18 years old. But you know, if it's somebody on behalf of the child doing this that is fine. Um, but generally that's how it was originally conceptualized. Perfect. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would definitely encourage, that's another thing. Um, I would encourage just go to the take it down website, um, and just kind of follow the prompts and just see, please, you know, just see what, how it works. Obviously, please do not put any um, files through that aren't actually 
of concern, but just to get familiar, maybe look at the frequently asked questions, see what's going on, um, and if it ever becomes a situation where it needs to be used, that's a resource that's available. Yeah, I found it very easy to be used, you know, and also it's, like you said, anonymous. The interface is pretty straightforward, and I think it's a really helpful tool for those in difficult situations. And uh, getting a little back to the collaboration part, I know that NECMEC is uh, in the in the process of launching another platform for global collaboration. I, I believe it's called, uh, the name is escaping me right now. Global right Policy? Now. Yes, the Global yeah. Policy Platform. And uh, like you said, here in the States, you have a law, and I believe that law actually opened the doors for many opportunities. You know, it was a really good implementation of what's needed in real life, and you had the technology to affect that law basically and make it useful and then you're producing results now so the new platform the global policy platform how would you how do you think that would help other countries for example like if Lantondeho wants to make recommendations or propose a policy in Mongolia how how can we use the platform yeah that's a great question um and I think to kind of rewind a little bit back to, you know, why this is even important is one, you know, just hearkening back to some of those numbers, about 32 million reports last year, approximately 90% of those going out internationally. And so with that being the reality, you know, we want to make sure that we have that international reach and they're able to build those relationships with those international audiences. So this is, you know, a great example of that, this, you know, this podcast here. So along with these numbers, we also saw a marked increase in reports involving financial sextortion that <laughs> frequently involved offenders outside the U.S. And this sextortion can be very distressing for children. And, you know, unfortunately has ended up resulting in the loss of life by suicide of some of these children. Um, what's unique about sextortion is, you know, people might be, be a little bit familiar with somebody, a predator online entices, you know, videos or images from a child, and they might try to blackmail by, you know, the threat of release, but they're asking for more images. Well, this is different because they are threatening that release, but they're demanding money from these children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're asking for very, very large sums, but these children have no hope of being able to provide. And so then they're looking at the, you know, the possible reality of that content that was curated, you know, without their consent and is being, you know, being threatened to be sent, being sent likewise um, to their loved ones, family, things like that. That's very distressing. And so with this, you know, increase in urgent types of reports, we really sell that growing need to increase collaboration internationally as well. Um, and so with that, you know, we're looking to be more proactive in sharing data, trends, and different advocacy needs with different audiences. So it could be, you know, nonprofits, it could be the law enforcement, different things along those lines. And considering the connections that we already have in those over 150 countries, we're able to start with growing those relationships with that training and collaboration that I was mentioning. 
Um, in recent months, we've been able to travel and participate in trainings or events to uh, Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Laos, Malaysia, Mexico, and Vietnam. And there's many others, you know, coming in the future. And so just trying to extend the reach in that way. And then also, um, we do collaborate with dozens of global nonprofits, such as uh, We Protect, International Justice Mission, Internet Watch Foundation, the Canadian Center for Child Protection, um, UNICEF. And then also something that I think um, could be very helpful is an organization called InHope of which we are a founding member. And this is a global network of 50 member hotlines across six continents. And so um, one of the things that um, I think could be great uh, for your organization is to have that connection with InHope um, and really try to learn about all the different tools available as you know, in reflection of those different hotlines as well. Um, and you know, we're always looking to add collaboration with other nonprofits as well. So, um, you know, which is why one of the reasons I'm very thankful to be here today. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm sure it's like there's so many other great things that I'm, I was just looking at the website and um, different uh, initiators that you just mentioned, Hender and Tengus, and I was like lost with all this data. It's great how much data-driven organization you are. So that's something actually really um, pleasant surprise for me. And I would highly encourage our listeners to go in and check out that missingkids.org and all the new initiatives and watch that Into the Cloud uh, movie. Mm -hmm. Before we end our discussion today, I want to ask you, Heather, some personal questions. Like, I know some of this work uh, could be really distressing and you would have to deal with all this unpleasant information every day, right? Mm -hmm. But what makes you to stay in this organization for eight years and then continue to work on this subject. And what would you to maybe share with other people like Lanton Ho members in Mongolia who has some bad um, burnout experiences have to like prevent themselves, take care of themselves. So it's it's more like we talked about NECMEC on institutional level, but I want to learn about your personal experience of working for NECMEC and working on this um, really important issue that is not really easy to deal with. Absolutely. Um, and I think if you spoke to, you know, probably majority of the individuals who work in NECMEC, they would say, you know, mission is, you know, number one, you know, motivator. Um, it is, you know, it can be very difficult types of content to look at, to read, um, even just considering the volume of this types of content can, you know, be overwhelming. And so I think it's just important to keep in mind, I don't know if you guys know who Mr. Rogers is, but he was like a, a children's television, um, performer back several years ago. Um, but it was just he was a very uplifting type show but Mm -hmm. one of the things that he shared about you know something that his mother told him was something along the lines of this is not a direct quote but something along the lines of there will always be tragedy but Mm -hmm. look for the helpers you know look for the people who are helping because even among amongst all the bad things there will be people trying to help and I would say that that kind of sums up 
NECMEC as an organization and then the individuals within it. But in terms of the reality of it, you know, that's what drives us and motivates us is to provide this assistance to children and families who are affected by these uh, awful situations. You know, the reality of it is one, you keep that in mind, mm-hmm. have to have that as your main why. Um, but then also just practically, we do have uh, systems in place to help protect from this burnout. And so we call it safeguard. And this begins even at the interview process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people meet with counselors. Our staff in the Exploited Jones Division are required a certain number of times to meet with these safeguard individuals, but can go as often as they may need to. Mm-hmm. Um, different things, you know, that might just seem kind of basic of, I will do my best to try not to look at any distressing content in the last hour or half hour before I leave, just so I have a little bit of separation between that and going home. Mm-hmm. It's not always possible, to, but as much as I can, I try to, you know, implement that. If I just saw something that was difficult, go take a walk, have a cup of coffee, talk to a coworker about it because they understand they, you know, have a similar situation. So just different things like that. And then just making sure to have a good support system um, outside of work. So you know, whether it's family, friends, a club, your hobby, whatever the thing may be. Um, me personally, I love being in nature, taking walks or hikes outside, and I love using my hands to make crafts. So whether it's knitting or making jewelry or something like that, um, anything that are using both of my hands can really just help. There's different research and studies that show using two hands at the same time just helps the brain in processing information and can help you with processing difficult things as well. So just some small little tools like that, but, you know, seeing the progress, seeing the different tools that we're able to implement um, and hearing stories of success, you know, of a child rescued, a child identified um, is always very motivating and inspiring. That is such a great suggestions and advices. Thank you so much. On this episode, we had the pleasure of speaking with Heather Gurdon from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. From Lantonokia office, we had Nomin and Tengis. Thank you and have a great day. <laughs>